All right, teaching and learning, teaching and learning. Last week we talked about teachers we love or what makes teachers so, so good. But teaching and learning is, is such an important thing. Um, in school, in school, I will sign for myself, baby, a little bit after we do the testimony time. Um, in school, I had to learn a lot of things I didn't want to learn. And uh, let's just be honest. Can I just be honest tonight for a second? I think a lot of things we learn in school just weren't worth learning. I mean, frankly, what does it matter what the state bird is for Massachusetts in my life, right? And, I mean, now that we have Google, I mean, good night. You can find out anything you want any moment. But, you know, we had to learn all those things. I'm for certain things that we learn, but um, I just, you know, it's like that meme I saw. And I, I, I'm pro-education, so don't, don't, that's the first thing. Don't go out there and start saying preacher's anti-education. I have bachelor's degree, master's degree. All right, I got that stuff, Okay. They don't hang on my walls or stuffed in a drawer somewhere because that's not what makes the man, right, or make the woman. Uh, I'm for education. But I saw a meme recently. It said college graduates drive Fords. College dropouts drive uh, uh, Lincolns and Lexuses or whatever. And high school dropouts drive Lamborghinis and Ferraris. And they asked Elon Musk one time, do you wish you would have went to Harvard? He said, no, but many Harvard graduates work for me. And so um, <laughs> I'm for education. Don't misunderstand me. I am for education. But even Albert Einstein said, I never let education interfere with my learning. That's important. Sean Campbell's here tonight. I, uh, I'll, uh, I know he won't mind me talking about this, but if Sean Campbell and I were to be in a, a book reading essay contest, um, I probably would beat him at that, essays. You know what an essay is, Brother Sean? Yeah, he does. Um, but if a car had engine trouble, my car is going to be sitting on the side of the road while Sean's 500 miles in front of me. He, he probably wasted some time in school learning things he didn't want to learn because this man is very good at, at, fixing, at fixing things, mechanical, all that stuff. And I'm just saying that when it comes to the Christian realm, I believe your, your success and your growth in doctrine and Christian application, okay? Doctrine and Christian application. The Bible is given to us threefold. It's historical. It is historical. Moses did live on this earth. David did kill a giant. God did create this universe. Historical. Jesus walked on this earth, all right? We got the historical part. Then there's application. There's a lot of things in the Old Testament that are not doctrinal for us. Thank God or we would not be allowed to eat bacon. All right? So thank God for that. Um, so, but you can take application. There's amazing. I mean, how many different ways can you preach David and Goliath with a bus? you right. I mean, think about how many times you preach it in many ways. I've heard you preach it more than three times. I think I remember in the last few years that you've been here, I've preached it, man, umpteen ways. In fact, I got another new message from, well, it's not new, nothing new on the summer, but another message I shared with my wife. And she was like, wow, never even saw that before. And you'll get to hear it in a couple Sundays. And it's just amazing how you can do the application part. Then you have the do- doctrine part, but you have to have some want to. Jesus is not going to force you. So tonight, I want to ask you to think about that. I want to take some testimonies on what is, what is significant about the whole teaching and learning process. For a few years ago, thank God it didn't last long, America introduced the concept of teaching. You don't want to correct children if they answer wrong. Like if two plus two, they say it's five, tell them it's okay, and eventually teach them. No. Two plus two is not five ever. No. You can't just sit there, oh, little junior, I don't want to offend you. Tell the little kid he's wrong, and it's four, right? But, but you can't, and, and that's where we're so confused in religion today. We're so confused by, by things because we don't, we, we're so, I grew up, 
in churches that I was taught biblical things, but I was empty in here. Something didn't click. Something didn't mesh. I had to be baptized to go to heaven. Something in my heart said, that's not right. And yet people all over the place believe it by the thousands and the millions, right? So what about teaching and learning tonight? For this Wednesday night crowd can challenge us and make us. What is it about this subject right here that can challenge us? Anybody got a test when you want to share? Yes, Paulette. We got a microphone tonight. He's, he's running a little gingerly because he's been football practice two days already, so he might be a little sore tonight. I always say you learn so you can teach. Wow, great and statement. Everything, li- everything in life is a lesson that you can then pass on to somebody else. Great statement. Very good. Anybody else thought on this? That's really good. Yes, sir. Gavin, right there. Thank you, Paulette. If we don't know, that's fine. We'll go right in the message. Go ahead. So my freshman year in high school, we had a history teacher. His name was Mr. Bismeyer, and he was the high school basketball coach. And anybody who wasn't on the team absolutely despised him because he taught American history. And, of course, your freshman year of high school is when you really start, like, getting into writing papers and, uh, like, the hard stuff. And... It was like every week he would assign two or three two-page papers you could write in an hour. And all the kids who didn't want to sit down and actually do them absolutely hated him because they were like, well, this is too much work. It, it's a two-page paper. And he, he looked at everybody and he said, if you can't write a two-page paper, you're going to fail high school. And everybody hated him. He's like, that's not true. That's just not true. And looking back on it, it's like, that's very true. Because if I couldn't <laughs> write a two-page paper, there's no way I'm writing a 10-page essay. Amen. So it's one of those things where sometimes whenever you start learning, you don't think it's going to be true. But later on, it's like, yeah, that's, that's definitely true. Yes. And the teacher usually knows what he's saying. By the way, this was well spoken by valedictorian of his senior class this year. Right? Should have been. Oh, should have been. He was... Yeah, he was, he was very close to being the value, like top three in your class, right? That's pretty impressive. He's pretty smart. Give him a hand real quick. That's what he should have been, should have been valedictorian, all right? Appreciate you, Gavin. That's actually a great statement. I mean, how many times have we questioned a teacher, and then the teacher just kind of smiles, and down the road we're like, oh, man, that teacher knew what he was talking about. All right, anybody else? Anybody else? That's a great thought. Yes, Ms. Mindy? <laughs> you run a little gingerly, buddy. So I like to learn more things because if you just know one thing and you just keep doing one thing over and over, you get in a rut and you never want to go anywhere and you don't want to do anything. So I like to always learn new things and challenge myself so I don't get in a rut. Yeah. Yeah, that's good. Very good. And we should never stop learning, right, Miss Mindy? I mean, you're just a few years older than me, but even at our age, we still want to keep learning, right? Yes, sir, Justin. Um, this is applicable to both learning and teaching, but not just how to, but why. Yes. Very good. Why? Why is 2 plus 2 equals 4? Why, why is Grant's taking pre-calculus this year as a senior? Why? He's going to ask that a lot of calculus, I promise you that. I saw another hand over here. Eric, did you have your hand up? Where, whose hand was up over here? Eric? I thought you had your hand. No. Austin? Yeah, Austin, you have your hand up? No? Okay. All right, who else? Who else tonight? Who else? teaching and learning. Eric, all right. I thought I saw your hand up. You mess with me. He loves to mess with me. I think similar to what I said last week um, about a teacher being passionate, I think you can be equally passionate about what you're learning. Yes. Very good. 
Well said. And I, can I just say, when you're a passionate listener, it helps the passionate speaker. It really does. It really does. It really does. All right, yes, Braden, then we'll go back to Miss Stephanie. Braden? Um, I would just say, you know, this, this year, this, this last six weeks that I've worked at camp, I would have no idea what I'm doing without a good teacher. And, you know, there's guys there that have been working for eight years and 12 years, and this is my first year, and they just taught me how to do things. So I, I really learned the importance of a teacher. And so it, it really helped me out a lot when I kind of was like a chicken running with my head cut off. So, mm-hmm. you know, it was just, you know, God taught me stuff, and then also them, like, hey, that was wrong, you need to do it like this. And so, yes. like he said, sometimes you don't understand it and you don't get why they do it, but just it, it really helped in the long run. So, Amen. Very good, Braden. Very true. Very true. Good guidance there. You all do a great job of spreading it out, making them go all over the place. That's good. So as a teacher, I think I learned more than I did as a student because you have to be on top of your game. But something I told my kids growing up, when God puts something, a learning opportunity in your path, you need to grab it because you need all the tools in your tool belt. You don't know what God has for you 10 years down the road. You know, I never dreamed I'd be working where I work now. Right. But God prepared me, and I took the the chance to learn. And I'm really excited and grateful now. Amen. Very good, Miss Stephanie. You do have to stay on top of the game. Sean, I got this, Grant. (laughs) Sean, just a a quick thought. Teaching, the real point of teaching is to take somebody to the next level of success in life. That's good. That's a good point. Well said, Brother Sean. You teach for, there's got to be some purpose to teaching and taking this to the next level. Piper, you going to make Grant run all the way up there? Wow, good. You teach to include people, and you learn to help others around you. Good statement. Very good, Brother Coons. Good discussion here. The uh, three favorite words out of Proverbs, which is where we learn so much from the Book of Wisdom. Yes. Knowledge, wisdom, and understanding. uh, Kind of is equivalent to knowing what is knowledge, knowing how is wisdom, knowing why is understanding. So whether we're teaching or we're learning, we have to go beyond what we've, we've devolved down to where we just go for knowledge, the random memorization of facts which are useless if not put to application. Yes. So anyway, uh, do all three of those. And then from a learning the Bible standpoint, uh, the actual teaching of the Bible is impossible to come just from man while we should employ those techniques. Uh, it's the Holy Spirit that does the, the actual teaching and the application in our hearts. And so as we approach it, uh, that, we should do that. And then as far as uh, what you're going to do with your life, the power of teaching is that whenever you teach and when, whenever you engage with those that are willing to learn, whatever they do with their life, you've got a small piece of that. So it expands what your overall life um, accomplishments are. Amen. Very good. These are great statements. Great. Bills tonight? Bills? I don't see any hands waving me. All right. Thank you. Thank you, babe. Thank you, Grant. All right, let's go ahead and look at this here. Uh, so let's continue on that thought tonight. I think a lot of times we, we forget that in biblical times, there was a different process for your livelihood. Um, when they asked the question about Jesus, is not this the son of a carpenter, uh, they had in the old days apprenticeships. It was very common for the son to fall in his father's business. And in many instances, 
a young man would be interested in blacksmith work or maybe he'd be interested in carpentry work. And a family friend who maybe was an expert in that area would take him on as an, as an apprentice and they would train him. Uh, if you read history, uh, even old time movies, if you read or watch movies or read books from, from the foundation of America, a lot of that got carried over. Boys as young as 14 or 15 were done with their schooling. They were done and they were merely taken into apprenticeships and they were trained on how to be successful at the jobs that they were doing. And, and that was their path for life. And they would, they would stay and sometimes work with the owner, the original owner who trained them, or they might jump to another city. They'd get married. And, and of course, they got married very young back then, too. We know that. They could be 14, 15, training till they're 16, 17, married, and then starting their own business as a, as a blacksmith or a carpenter in another city. And so a lot of the apprenticeship mentality was changed when education becomes such an emphasis in America. And, and it's important to note tonight, again, let me just make it very clear, I'm not anti-education. Uh, I grew up in a home with educators. My dad and mom were government educators. They taught at deaf schools all my life. And the reason I was born in San Augustine, Florida, is because that's where my dad was teaching at the deaf school. And the reason why my brother Nick was born in Utah is because there's a deaf school there. And the reason my sister was born in the city in Texas is because there's a deaf school there. My dad was teaching at the deaf schools there. Jennifer is an educator, was an educator, so she had all these kids. Um, and so... Education has been a part of my life, but remember the Bible says my people are destroyed for a lack of what? Knowledge, right. Not education, but knowledge. Brother George, I love you, man. I just, I'm sorry. I wasn't, I had to, I love it. Wisdom's a good one too. We'll add that to it. I think that's in the other version, but still it's good, all right? But, uh, but wisdom too, really when you think about it, knowledge and, wisdom, knowledge and wisdom go together, but education is something that so let me, let me just put it this way. The Bible says, my people are destroyed for a lack of knowledge. But then the Bible says in 2 Timothy chapter 3 that they are ever learning, but never able to come to the knowledge of the truth. Right. Brother George is afraid to answer that time. You can, I try. Go ahead and answer. You can always answer. I love your answers. All right. So, but now we're saying here that when it comes to the things of God, God is, he's not a teaser, but at the same time, he wants to see how hungry we are for his word. And, and, and we see those principles laid out in Proverbs. I, I stayed downstairs last Sunday morning in Sunday school, and Brother Bussey taught from Proverbs, one of the best messages I've heard him taught, teach to our teenagers last Sunday morning. Fantastic message from the word of God. And it was a challenge. You have to draw that wisdom out sometimes. And when it comes to salvation, God puts it on the bottom shelf. But when it comes to accumulating wisdom, it takes work. It takes desire, and it's important uh, to see that. However, at the same time, God puts us, gave us a book here, which is such a blessing, and where he gives us these incredible men and women and young people who, who did miraculous things, and God huh, was not bashful in putting down their failures, too. How many of you would like to have a Bible written about your life today? Your failures, your sins exposed for all the world to read about. I mean, David and Moses and Saul, of course, Paul, all through the Bible, we see that. But he also spotlights their desire for him. And David, as he writes in the book of Psalms, and I'm afraid Christianity today has become just a cruise control journey where we just we just stay in the right lane of life. We set the cruise and we just just coast for the rest of our life. We just coast. We're not aggressive anymore in our driving, which means if you're not aggressive, stay out of the left lane. Stay out of the left lane. If you're not an aggressive driver, you want to coast, 
You're not in a hurry to get work. Move out of the way. All right, there, I feel better about that. All right, so um, when you travel as much as I do, you just have a burning desire to teach the world how to drive. But anyway, that's a whole other subject. But, but the point I'm trying to make is, is simply this. We, no matter where we're at in our Christian life, we should never lose the desire of learning. It's been, it's been wonderful watching my niece Amelia in the last year or two, three years, where she's, she got exposed to knowledge. And, and my niece, she's dangerous, right? If she's sitting in a room and we're talking, you have to be careful what you say because she's watching every conversation. And she's learned so much. In the last 18 months, I've seen her just flourish. And, and her way of learning is so different than another six-year-old in this church because hers is all through her eyes, all through the, the, the lens of her eyes. I mean, she's watching it. She's not hearing it. She can't listen to radio. She, she doesn't hear things on television. So she's learning. This is the gateway of her education right now and her gaining of knowledge. And so it's just been fantastic to watch her. She's learning life. And, and it's not the math and the English. That's going to come. But she's just gaining knowledge about life, right? So these disciples have been observing Jesus for a while. And, and here's what I want to challenge us to do. This is kind of a part two to last Wednesday night, uh, kind of an extension of that. Last week it was the ADCs of the Christian life. Tonight it's actually the ABCs of learning. Number one, I think it's important when you look at a teacher, is what the person or the teacher teaching you, is it actionable? Is it able to be followed up? I mean, are we able to implement in our lives and improve our lives for the better, right? All right how many of you young men know exactly what you're going to do with your life right now? How many of you young men? Just curious, raise your hand if you know what you're going to do with your life. All right, none of them have their hands raised. Do you have any interest? Are there some areas that you're thinking about? Like, okay, maybe that, that, raise your hand. And is it possible that one of the reasons you're, you're interested in that is because you've seen somebody else in that field and it attracted you to that? Is that possible? Is that true? All right. Young ladies, how many of you know what you want to do with your life? Just curious. How many of you want to get married someday? To a man. It's 2022. You've got to ask. Want to marry? All right. Good. All right. Uh, Kendra, you're probably the close. You're going to college this fall. And you know what you want to be. You want to be the president of the United States, right? Okay. No. Um, the point I'm trying to make is this. When you ask a little boy when he's five years old what he wants to be when he grows up, it used to be fireman, policeman, army guy, or uh, an astronaut. Those are the popular ones. But the fact is not all little boys grow up to be those four things, right? Somewhere along the line, we learn something and say, that's, that's, that's me. That's my niche. That's what I want to do, right? Now, when it comes to the Christian life, Jesus, everything he does, humanly speaking, in the Bible is as an example for things that we need to do. And so the disciples have already seen actionable evidence. They've seen it in more than one instance, too, because they saw it in John the Baptist's life. They saw it in the John the Baptist's disciples' life. And now they're seeing it in Jesus' life. And they're saying, wait a minute now. We've seen actionable, A, that's the word, actionable evidence of prayer and how it works. And hold on a second. Wasn't there prayer in the Old Testament? Wasn't there prayer teaching the Old Testament? Didn't they pray in the Old Testament? Sure they did. But something's happening in the transformation in the life of prayer. Prayer is changing. And we know in 2022, we have a huge advantage in prayer that they didn't have back then. We have a Holy Spirit who's right beside us, praying with us, and even translating our prayers, as the Bible says in Romans chapter 8, in our prayer life. What a blessing it is to know that. On, on top of that, we have a complete word of God that teaches us how to pray. And you can specifically, you can actually go to the book of Psalms and read a psalm as a prayer and say, God, right now, this, this psalm is really applicable to my life. And you can literally utter that word of Psalms there and it become a prayer in your life. What a blessing. We have been given those things. And watch this now. We have seen actionable evidence of a prayer life. 
So they see that and say, I want this, all right? Uh, all summer long at Indy Creek Baptist Camp, Tom Williams has been preaching on Wednesdays on prayer. Brother Bussey, actually, do you mind sharing the testimony of what happened last Wednesday when, when Branson told you at camp? All right, just stand and tell, share this testimony. So I heard him preach the week I was preaching there on prayer. Our youth group heard him the very next week, and then this story happens. Um, it had been raining all day Monday, all day Tuesday, and it was pouring the rain again on Wednesday morning. And so Brother, Brother Tom Williams gets up, and uh, I don't know how old he is. He's probably mid-80s, I'm guessing. I'm, I'm not for sure. I think he's 89. 89? 89. And um, so anyways, he gets up, and he said, he said uh, I think he said boys and girls, but don't quote me on that. But I guess when you're 89, everybody's boys and girls at that point. But um, <laughs> uh, he said, you know, I think the Lord wants us to pray to stop the rain. So he kneels down right there in front of everybody. And Branson said by the time he got off his knees, the downpour had already turned to a drizzle. And by the time he was done preaching, the sun was out. And um, Branson said it was just a powerful statement because he said, Brother Williams said this. He said, you know, some of you all thought, well, what if it doesn't stop? He said, but we should think, what if it does stop? And uh, he said, let's just stop right now and, and thank the Lord that uh, he stopped the rain. And Branson said it never did rain again the rest of the week. And it was supposed to rain all week. And uh, Branson said just a powerful statement of a man's faith and God hearkening unto the voice of man. It was just a powerful statement. Wow. So what do you think the teenagers saw in their heart when they said, saw that happen? They said, that is actionable. That is actionable. There, there's evidence. I've seen it now with my own eyes. And I, I, as a preacher, as a Christian, I've testified to that. Boy, that convicts me, doesn't it, Brother Bussy? Just to think, wow, to be able to just pray and stop that. Uh, many of us remember years ago, we were supposed to have a downpour on our Saturday spectacular, and our kids gathered and prayed, and it rained everywhere around except this little spot right here. Boy, what a blessing it was for our kids to see that miracle. How many of y'all remember that? It was just a few years ago on our Saturday spectacular. Um, that's actionable, all right? So actionable leads to number two. Now, this is where I want to spend just a little bit of time on because I want to spend more time on number three. Then it, once things are actionable, then it becomes believable, right? Like, okay, I've seen the actionable evidence of it. I've seen it. The disciples are saying here in Luke chapter 11, verse 1, he says, Hey, teach us to pray as, as John also taught his disciples. So we've seen the evidence of action. It's actionable in John's life and his disciples. And now Jesus, oh my goodness, I'm sure Jesus took John and the disciples' prayer life to a whole new level. And it's like, wow, I've got to learn this. And it becomes believable. I mean, how many of you believe the story he just shared? Would you raise your hand? All right, we were not there. I was not there. I do know Tom Williams pretty well. We, we stay in touch with Tom. I'm on his prayer list. Thank God I'm on that man's prayer list. Um, having said that, though, I have no doubt about that story. The same man told me a story at lunch when I was at camp that he was driving one time across the, the west, and we're talking about where you see signs sometimes that say there's no gas for 200, no gas station for 271 miles, right? How many of you have seen signs like that before out west, right? And as he was driving, his, his wife was very ill, so he had an assistant helping take care of his wife. And he told me the story. She asked Brother Williams, she goes, I'm new to being an assistant nurse to your wife. And I hear all these prayer stories. Uh, please, please give me one. He goes, okay, what would you like to see? She goes, well, I, I got news for you. We have no money. And you're almost out of gas. And there's a gas station in 20 or 30 miles. 
So maybe you'll get to show me what God does for you. He said, okay. He pulls up to the gas station. No money. He's driving a motor home. Those are big tanks. Lots of gas. He begins fueling. This, he's telling me the story at lunch just a few weeks ago. I think you were there, right, babe? He's fueling it. And the girl's sitting there nervous, like, what are we going to do? What are we going to do? And a man inside the gas station runs out and says, sir, are you Tom Williams? He said, yes. He goes, a man came by this morning early and said there'll be a man with a cowboy hat, Tom Williams, stopping by. And I want to pay for his gas when he stops here later. Tom Williams had no idea. And when he got through filling up the tank, he said, the guy actually overpaid. Here's 20 extra dollars money back. The girl said, I'm a believer. Right? I mean, so we're like, wow, hold on. That can happen for you and me. That can happen for you and me. We don't really know what it's like to live by faith anymore. Because watch this now, watch this. Number one, we see that's actionable. Number two, it becomes believable. Now, Jesus, watch this. Jesus knows that they have the right desire. And I believe in this Wednesday night crowd, we have the right desire. Brother Bussy said it so well. Brother Tom Williams says, Many of us do pray, what if it doesn't happen, when we should be saying, I can't wait till it does happen so I can praise God for it. And God wants to see. And Jesus, what do you always say? Oh, ye of little what? Faith. Oh, ye of little faith. All right. So I'll use the third word I'm done. So number one, is it actionable? Uh, my math teachers that I had, I love math. I took calculus as a senior in high school. I was in, I just, I've always loved math. I still love math. And I remember going into the calculus class the first day and knowing my teacher knew exactly what he was talking about. And that man is still to this day one of the top five smartest men I've ever been around. Jim Moore had the personality of this pulpit. I mean, he just, but man, he knew math. Goodness, man. I mean, he just breathed, exhale, math just falls out of his, I mean, air. He's just, I learned so much math from that man. He was just a genius in math. And because he was so good at math, I believed everything he taught me. Everything, hook, line, and sinker. It was believable. But here's number three, and here's where we struggle. Confidence. Confidence. Watch this. We have confidence in our teacher. We have confidence, many times, in what the teacher's teaching. We don't have confidence in the application of it in our life. Do you know why so many Christians get nervous when it comes to living the Christian life out there because so many times they're not 100% sure they're right. I heard a preacher say many years ago, the difference between Jesus and the Pharisees was this. Jesus always knew he was right. The Pharisees doubted it sometimes. When they asked him about what the authority John the Baptist worked for, Jesus gave him two options as an answer. And you can read it later. The Pharisees weren't sure which answer was right because if they said if they answered it one way, then Jesus said, why didn't you believe him? If they answered it the other way, the people get mad at him. You know why the Pharisees weren't sure how to answer that? They weren't sure what the right answer was. Uh, they knew, they believed, they saw the action, but they had any confidence in their answer. Watch this now. Jesus was always confident. And that's why the disciples saw that and said, my goodness, what Jesus prays, his prayer life is so actionable and believable. Do I have the confidence that I can apply it to my life? Let me give you some perfect examples of this. Let's just, let's just be honest and open tonight. It's 2022, but we know where we stand. We're not ashamed of the Bible. There's still many Christians in America today that know abortion is wrong. They know that marriage between a man and a man and a woman and a woman is wrong. They know that sexual activity outside of marriage is wrong. Remember, I'm consistent. 
We always like, amen to the homosexual sins, but wait a second, there's a whole lot more heterosexual sins happening all over the country and the world, right? We know those things are wrong. We believe that they're wrong. We don't have the confidence more to stand for it anymore. Christians shy away. And now we see wickedness running our land. Wickedness is coming to us and saying, how dare you believe that? You're judgmental if you don't believe it. And the very statement makes them judgmental of our beliefs. Right? But we've lost the confidence. We know we're supposed to witness. We know we're supposed to tell people. We know and believe there's a heaven and a hell. But we lack the confidence to live it out in our lives day in and day out. We're even today to the point where we're not even confident to give someone a track. Can I tell you something? 99% of the world is still glad to receive a track from you and me. I've been passing a lot on airplanes lately, and I've never, never had one person on an airplane reject me from, from just giving a track. Not, not one time. Not one time. And again, maybe one of the reasons we struggle in that confidence is because when we go out knocking on doors and we knock on 100 doors and there's 50 answers and 49 people are nice and one person's mean, we come back and we dwell on the one mean person. So next time all we think about is that one mean person and our confidence wanes once again. Oh, we believe Tom Williams can do it. We believe Jesus can. We believe Peter can, but not me. I mean, it's actionable. Yes, there's evidence of it. The Bible talks about it. It's believable, but my confidence is waning. And Jesus says, oh, ye of little faith. There was more than enough men capable to kill Goliath that day on 1 Samuel chapter 17. It didn't have to be David. It didn't have to be a pimple-faced teenage boy. There's plenty of men on that battlefield that could have slaughtered Goliath. The Jews were champions. They had God on their side. Oh, but they knew about the book of Judges and those warriors. They knew that Joshua was a warrior. They knew that Moses could fight. Even Abraham, you know the story? When Lot got kidnapped, Abraham and just a few men went down and defeated the whole army. Those guys were warriors. They knew how to fight. They were ready to go. But all of a sudden, this giant comes. They know about the actionable. They know it's believable. But not for me. Not for me. So the learner, going back to what Eric just said, has to be just as passionate as the teacher. Be care- I'm careful how I say this, but my wife often, my mother-in-law says this all the time. They both believe one of the reasons why I get invited to travel and preach so much to teenagers is this. By the end of the week, they get so fired up to serve God because they heard a guy all week long preach about how fired up he's about serving God. That's it. Now, how long does they do those things last? I don't know. I've seen it last in many people's lives. But that passion gets transcended and people are like, I want that. I've heard preachers preach. When Tom Williams preaches those stories, like, I want that prayer life. I want to believe like that. I want to pray like that. I want, I want to see miracles like that. And I can. Because it is actionable. It is believable. But I have to have the confidence. In other words, the faith to make it happen. It's never God's fault. It's not the word of God's fault. It's my fault. So the disciples saw Jesus pray. They saw John the Baptist pray. They saw John the Baptist's disciples pray. They know it was actionable. They believed it. They'd already seen Jesus do miracle after miracle after miracle. But it's probably not until the book of Acts when these disciples realize that they can pray like those teachers prayed. Church, that's where it is. That's the ABCs of learning. So as we go forward, we have to have that passion and confidence that, hey, what we believe 
by the way, let me just say this and I'll close. How many believe you're saved tonight? I mean, you have no doubt you're saved tonight by the grace of God. Would you raise your hand? Isn't it amazing that we have very little problem believing the teachings regarding salvation, but we struggle believing the teachings regarding so many other things in the Bible? If it's good enough for salvation, it's good enough for prayer, for witnessing, for wisdom, Brother George, meditation, marriage, healing your marriage, raising a Christian home. I mean, all those things, we just got to have the confidence. We got to claim it. Just grab onto it and not let go. I'm not going to think anymore. What if it doesn't happen? No, I can't wait to see when it does happen so I can praise God for it. You realize, church, Brother Kunch brought this up today. Our big faith list that we gave a few years ago. How many remember that list that we had out there? Everyone on the list is done now, except one, the Spanish ministry. We started, it fell down, but that looks like we're going to be able to start that in the next year. I'll say more about it later. They happened. Maybe not in the timing I set out, but somebody's been praying. Somebody's been praying. And we're looking at a miracle right there. But church, we've got to have that ABC. Actionable, believable. Number three, that's when we've got to take that big step and say, okay, I'm getting out of the boat. I'm launching out into the deep. I'm getting the five smooth stones and I'm slinging the rock. I'm the one that's going to do it now. Because I don't only see it actionable, I don't just believe it anymore. I'm going to make it happen in my life right now. Head you about eyes closed. Thank you for listening so well tonight. your mercy never fails me all my days I've been held in your hand from the moment that I wake up until I lay my head oh I will sing of the goodness of God all my life you have been faithful all my life you have been so so good with every breath that I am able oh I will sing of the goodness of God I love your voice have led me through the fire in darkest nights you are close like no other I've known you as a father I've known you as a friend and I have been in the goodness of God all my life you have been my life you have been so so good with every breath that I am able oh I will sing of the goodness of God your goodness is running after it's running after me 
your goodness is running after, it's running after me. With my life laid down, I surrender now, I give you everything. Your goodness is running after, it's running after me. the good